Thank you for listening to a student ministry sermon from Christ Church of Orinoco. For more information about the student ministry or about Christ Church in general, visit us online at ccochurch.com. And now, here's this week's student ministry sermon. This week we're going to tackle the second of the two letters that Paul wrote to Corinth. And if you missed last week, then all you need to know about Corinth is if you take uh, Las Vegas, New York, and L.A. and all of the stereotypes that are connected to those cities and mash them up together, that's kind of Corinth in the ancient world. So it was a pretty messed up place. But these people in this church were trying hard. They were trying hard to stay faithful. They were still keeping their friendships alive so that they could preach the gospel to people, but they weren't allowing themselves to fall into the old temptations and traps that they used to. And this was costing them. It was costing them some friends. It was costing them family. People were making fun of them. It was costing them some business. In that world, if somebody doesn't really know if they can kind of connect with you, then there's a likely chance that you're going to have less income, less money, less food on the table. And so this was happening to these Jesus followers in Corinth, and they're struggling with it. They're struggling with the fact that now they're suffering because of their commitment to Jesus. And to be honest, it's causing them to question Paul a little bit. In particular, because what happened in between these letters is it seems like some other leaders have come in and they're talking trash about Paul. I mean, that guy's always getting beat up. He's always getting in trouble. How do you even think he's somebody that you should follow? You should follow us, right? You should, you should, you should try to be like us, and you'll have a successful life. And so they were preaching all this stuff that was kind of attractive. And some of the people in Corinth were going, well, I mean, maybe kind of has a point. And so Paul writes Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, to remind them. He basically says, listen, I get it. This is difficult. But let's not forget about the fact that we follow this guy, Jesus, whose life ended on a Roman cross. That we should not expect our lives just to be strawberries in Disneyland. We should not expect that things are going to be easy for us. But he encouraged them, said, you can hold on. You can press forward. You can stay the course because we know that just as suffering led to resurrection for Jesus, the same is going to be true for us. So 2 Corinthians is a letter that is written to people who are struggling to keep their connection to Jesus because in some ways it's making their lives harder. So lean in and listen as we talk about how in this letter Paul reminds us that we know we belong to Jesus and therefore no matter what's going on around us, we too can press on as his ambassadors in our world. All right. Again. My name is Drew. I am so thankful to be here. Now, here's my question. Let me ask you this question. Do you think you can see everything that's in the world? Do you think you have eyes to be able to see everything in the world, okay? Some things, this is the reality, some things in our world are too small for us to see. Some things in our world are too fast for us to see. Some things are just plain invisible, and we can't see them, okay? Uh, Let me talk about this. The things that are too fast. Who in here loves slow motion cameras. Who in here loves, recently watched a video where a guy put himself inside of a balloon, filled it with water, and then they slow-moed, I think they're like the slow motion guys, they slow-moed when the thing burst and you just see the water all over the place. You've seen maybe the, the bullet that hits the balloon, okay? Slow motion. Those things are too fast. We'd miss them. 
In fact, some people have set cameras near trees, and they've watched vines go up the trees. Who has that kind of time? I don't know. But our world is constantly moving. It's constantly on the go. And we have cameras. We have the ability to take our time. We watch these things that happen too fast for us to see. In fact, uh, a while ago, maybe a month ago, two months, I was at the National uh, Museum of History. You know this uh, museum in uh, New York, okay? And I get off the elevator, and I see a picture of like this little bug, and I'm like, I've never seen that bug before. Upon further review, I find out there are microscopes. So you have the normal microscope that takes like a lens, and it's got like a sphere, and you can see into uh, certain things. They have electron microscopes now that will pulsate electrons, and they're able to go deeper and see things in a, at a nano level, okay? Let me show you one of these pictures. Let me show you this picture, okay? Uh, let's throw up. Can anybody take a guess what they think this is? What do you think it is? Marshmallows and roasted toast. Marshmallows and roasted toast, okay? Who thinks it's like wood? Who thinks it's kind of like some wood or something? That's salt and pepper. Salt and pepper. Yes. At a nano level, salt and pepper looks like this. It's like you're eating like wood or something. I don't know what's going on. Okay, next picture. The common housefly. Everybody say hi. How you doing? Hey. Also, terrifying if flies were this big, right? Wouldn't that be, like, crazy terrifying if flies would just, like, attack you? Next picture. Hold on. This is the picture, okay? I'm looking. If you've ever been to this museum in New York, it's amazing. They have, like, a whale the size of a literal whale, and you're just looking up at it. I get out of the elevator, this amazing place. I see this picture, and it's this picture that I was like, what is going on? It's a maggot. That is a maggot. That's what maggots look like. The blue bottle maggot is that thing right there. And we see, we see like, some of, you in your, some of you in your rooms, all right, you leave, like, uh, like Tostitos or something, or, or, like, nachos. You forgot to take them down to the kitchen. Maggots, right? You see these? That's what those things look like. Our eyes aren't able to see things at a nano level. And I'll, this is an aside. I'll, sh- I'll show you this. Carbon atoms, when they get together at the nano level, are fascinating. And what we're doing with science right now in this realm is amazing. And the, the ways in which it's going to change things for how we uh, medicate ourselves is incredible. And you guys, I'm excited because you guys are at the cusp of that. You're going to be the ones who are going to take that baton and you're going to change the world using this stuff. It's amazing. Anyway, that's an aside. Back to how you view the world. So you have to admit right now, listen, you have to admit to me right now, there are things that your human eye, they're too fast, they're too small, they're invisible for you to see. So there are things in our natural world you can't see. So could it be said that there are things in our supernatural world, things having to do with faith and Jesus and God, that you would say, maybe I don't see those things as clearly? Could you maybe think that? Well, let me go with this, okay. Paul... In 2 Corinthians, that's what we're talking about tonight. Paul in 2 Corinthians has a certain kind of task that he has to, uh, to go about because Paul is in a world where there are strong worldviews. Let me tell you what worldview is. It's the lens through which you look at the world. 
And this is uh, marked by your experiences. This is marked by what you know, what your parents have taught you about God and faith. This is marked by how you think through and perceive your world, your life. You think through this through a worldview. Paul has um, the certain task. He's got a Judaic worldview, and he's also got a Greco-Roman worldview. Here's what I mean by that, okay? Hold on. Now, if I were to take these lighting gels, okay, I've got red and I've got blue. So let's just say, go with me on this, pink, purple, whatever, red and blue. Just go with me on this, okay? If you've got Paul, who grew up at a certain time in history, okay, where he was Jewish by religion, his parents taught him this. That's how he grew up. That's how he saw the world. Then he lives in the context of a Greco-Roman world. He lives in these cities like we're talking about. Rome and Corinth and Ephesus. These are Greco-Roman cities. They have their own governments. They have their own ways of doing things. So he's got these two ways to look at the world. Lenses through which to look at the world. Everything he filters. Every word somebody tells him. Every point of truth. He goes, does that match up with this worldview that I have? Then he would go, but... I also live in this world that's layered by this world. So he has somewhat of a purple worldview because he takes the red and the blue and he mixes them together. Now here's where it gets interesting. He writes these letters to us in this worldview. He's saying something that's never been said before. You understand this, right? It gets complicated because you're now in 2016... You go to the school that you go to, there's been a lot of history in between us and Paul, so you have even a different worldview that now I'm going to teach Paul's perspective to you. Do you understand where this could get complicated? But here's the truth. Paul says from the very beginning, here in uh, 2 Corinthians, verse 16, so from now on, we, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though once we regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Though, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. You understand Paul's history, correct? You understand Acts, in in early Acts, Paul's walking, he's on the road to Damascus, another city. God blinds him by that light. Before that time, what was he doing? You familiar? He was killing Christians, okay? He regarded the teachings of Christian through the worldly way. Galatians tells us, cursed is any man who they put on a tree. That's Paul's perspective, right? Paul's perspective is anybody who would die on a cross deserved to die on a cross. He saw things through a Greco-Roman worldview. That's what they taught. If he's dying a capital punishment death, then he deserves it. That's Paul's worldly view. Jesus got a hold of him by a bright light, and he said, Paul, or he said Saul at that time, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? When you attack other Christians, it's as if you're attacking me. Jesus, at that point, took Paul and completely gave him a new, a new worldview. And what, what's happening here in this series, they're asking you to surrender to this change of worldview. You understand that, right? You're not coming here just to laugh. You're not coming here just to have fun. 
There's something happening here. There's no accidents in this room. You're here by chance. You're, here, you're not here by chance. You're here by God's design. And here's what he goes on to say. This is what God got a hold of Paul on that day on the road to Damascus. He said, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. All this, this is critical, all of this is from God. It's not from Christ Church of Orinoco. It's not from Mark Christian. It's not from Sam Martin. It is from God that this message came to Paul. He shone the light, and Paul was interrupted on his path somewhere else. And I think the same thing is trying to happen in your life. If anyone is in Christ, meaning he's reconciled back to Jesus, we're going to talk about that later in this passage, then they are a new creation. Something new is happening. It's interesting in John 3 when Jesus talks to Nicodemus, the Pharisee who came to him at night, and he said, how can flesh speak of spirit? Flesh gives birth to flesh. You know this, right? You all came from your mom. You correct with this? You're right, good. You're tracking, okay? We won't go too far into it. Hold on. But flesh gives birth to flesh. Jesus says, Jesus says in that passage, spirit gives birth to spirit. What Paul is saying, you are a new creation. There is a new thing happening in you once you are in Christ. Old is gone, new has come. All this is from God, it originates with him, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. So let me talk about this. Reconcile, what a big word. Let me ask you, anybody in here right now, you don't have to raise your hands, anybody in here right now, have a friend who they were friends with last year, but they are no longer friends with this year. You don't have to raise your hands. Hold on. Hold on. You don't have to raise your hand. You understand. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you this word. You understand what it means to have friends that you are apart from, to reconcile is to bring back two friends together. It is to make friendship again. Here's what breaks us apart. We lose trust or we lose respect. That's what, what happens. And then we are distancing ourselves. In Christ, he brings us back. Why does he need to? Because of our sin. We've lost trust. We've lost respect with our Father in heaven. And we are now distant from God. But in Christ, we are a new creation brought back together with him. And here at church, all semester, we're asking you to surrender to this change, to this transformation. It's not a box you check on a form. It's not something you say, you, I, I believe it, I agree with that guy who's talking, but it has nothing to do with how I play football on the field. That's not what I'm talking about. It has nothing to do if I cheat or not on a test. It has nothing to do with the language that comes out of my mouth. It has nothing to do with how I actually live. No, Paul was on a road to Damascus, he was doing his own thing, his own way. God 
all this is from God, got a hold of him, bright light, interrupted his path, gave him a new vision. This had never been said before. You understand that, right? You understand that this had never, no one knew this message. God gave the message of reconciliation to Paul so that we would have it. Now, in the letter, all throughout the letter, people in Corinth are trying to disrupt this message. As Michael said, these super apostles came in. It's as if I stand on the stage and I go, hey guys, Sam, Martin, great guy, right? His wife's here and he's a good guy. Don't, don't get me wrong. But he's not your leader anymore. I am, okay? And you need, to, you need to listen to me. I've got all these special words, okay? You need to listen to me. No. You wouldn't believe it. You wouldn't trust it. Because listen, here's, listen to me. Here's why you wouldn't trust me. Because many of you, listen to me, many of you have been impacted by Sam. Who in here has ever been impacted by Sam's ministry here at church, all right? You've, he's, been at, he's been at lock-ins with you. He spent time talking with you. Paul was this for these people, but other people had, came, had come in and said, Paul's just doing that for himself. He's just trying to get a big ego. And Paul says, I'm trying to do this for my ego. Let me tell you a little bit about what's been happening. I've been, I've been bit, beaten. I've been thrown in prison. I, I, I've had riots at the prison. He, he's gone through all of these things. He talks endlessly about all the troubles he had bringing the message of reconciliation. And even in, uh, earlier in the chapter, we talked about being crushed. We talked about what happens when we press on with Jesus. I, I want to read this for you. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in us, in our body, the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus might also be revealed in our body. The reason why we aren't crushed is because Jesus took that for us. We press on as ambassadors only because of what he's done for us. The gospel is that God made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we could somehow live a life that speaks of the righteousness and justice of God. We are no longer crushed, but God reconciled us to him, made us new. In our group tonight, we're gonna talk about what does it mean to be reconciled, that God brought two distance, two distant people back together. And I wanna ask you, there's no accidents in this room. There's a reason you're here. And there's maybe a chance that God is shining a bright light to get your attention, even to tonight. At, in this church on this day, I'm going to bring the band back out. I'm going to pray for us. And I, wanna, I want you to know, I want you to know this. Later on in the chapter, Paul says, We urge you to not receive, the God's grace, not to receive God's grace in vain. In the time of my favor, I heard you. In the day of salvation, I helped you. I tell you, now is the time. Now. Now is the time to understand what it means to be reconciled. Not when you're in 8th grade, ninth grade, 10th grade. It's now that you continue to grow. I'll pray.
Father, we thank you so much for 2 Corinthians. We thank you for Paul. We thank you so much for um, the leaders here challenging us in these books. We would just ask that we would continue to have the endurance that Paul had to continue to preach this message and pray that we would be your ambassadors, uh, your representatives to people who don't know who you are. We pray this in our lives and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to a student ministry sermon from Christ Church of Orinoco. For more information about the student ministry or about Christ Church in general, visit us online at ccochurch.com.